May God speak to you through today's message from Senior Pastor Mike McGowan. Good morning and welcome to Parkway Fellowship. I also want to welcome our North Campus joining us by video feed. Glad you guys are with us as well. And today, we do continue our study in the life of David, a series called God's Imperfect Hero. Now, some of you know this, some of you don't, but I went to a military high school. Um, I am a proud graduate of Texas Military Institute in San Antonio. Um, And yeah, military high school, it's exactly like what you would think it would be. Um, I had to wear a uniform every single day. I had to shine my shoes every day. I had to shine my belt buckle every day. I would have to salute senior officers as I passed them outside every single day. I, I, and I can't even tell you how many hundreds of push-ups I did in front of a statue of General Douglas MacArthur and yelled out all of my apologies for all the things that I'd done wrong. I, I mean, I, that, that was just life in military school. But I'll, I'll be honest with you, it was a lot of fun. I really loved it. And most of the kids there, they loved it too. And honestly, when I was a senior, I did the same thing to those other kids. I mean, I made them do push-ups in front of that statue and yell apologies for the things that they had, run, they had done wrong. You know, and looking back on all that, <clears throat> I learned so many valuable lessons at military school that I now apply to my life as a pastor. You know, for instance, you know, whenever our staff, they do something wrong, I make them do push-ups and yell apologies <laughs> to a statue of Jesus, you know. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Mostly. Anyway. <laughs> But the truth is, I really did learn a lot. I really did learn a lot about how to lead and how not to lead. How to inspire and not just intimidate. How to motivate and not just get mad. I mean, I learned a lot of things in military school that in so many ways have helped me as a leader and as the pastor here at Parkway Fellowship. You see, God used those past experiences to make me a better person, to make me a better leader, to make me a better pastor. And I honestly believe that the Lord allowed me to attend military school because he had his own purposes for my future in mind. Now, I'll be honest with you, I didn't see that at the time. I mean, when I was right in the middle of those experiences, I promise you, I could not see the long-term benefits, and I couldn't even see what God was doing in my heart and in my life. I, I, I just couldn't see it. And I'm willing to bet that that's true for most of us. That the things that happen in our life, we just cannot see the long-term benefits of what God might be trying to do. And I'll bet you, if we could, if we could think back, I'll bet you we could list a whole host of things that God used way back in our past to help shape us, but at the time we didn't see it. We just, we just took it for face value. We just took it for what it was. And, and I'm not talking about like those big traumatic events, okay? I'm, forget that. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about those, you know, everyday, you know, I'm just going through life type of ordinary experiences, You know, the ones that we just take at face value at the time. But those are the experiences that God uses to reshape us to accomplish his purposes in the future that we cannot see in the present. 
Okay, now, don't misunderstand. I'm not talking about events or things that happen as a result of sin, okay? God did not cause any of that, any sinful thing to happen. Now, God is so powerful that he can use sinful things in our past for his purposes today. And that's just a tribute to the great, greatness and the power and the majesty of God. And here's the thing. If we learn from the experiences that we have in our past and we allow them to make us better and not bitter, then we become a sharper tool for God to use for his purposes. But here's the thing. On the other hand, if we don't learn from those types of past experiences, if we don't take the time to reflect and to you know, gain what God wants us to gain from those experiences, then we will walk into our future unprepared and ill-equipped. And more than that, we will shortchange ourselves as husbands, as wives, as fathers, as mothers, as leaders, as influencers, as Christ followers. So it becomes paramount that we learn from these things. I, I mean, had I allowed the things that happened to me at military school make me bitter and to you know, make me angry and rebellious toward authority, I can promise you, I would be a much less effective leader and pastor. And here's the thing. The fault of that would have been mine, not God's. It would have been my fault because I was unwilling to reflect and to learn and to be changed by God through those types of experiences. That would have been my fault. So here's what let's do. Today, let's look at the life of David, God's imperfect hero. And let, let's look at a time in his life when he was just a teenager, when he was doing just, you know, everyday, ordinary type things that, you know, we would just normally take at just face value. But it's in the midst of those things that God was preparing him to be king. But I can promise you, David did not see that at the time. He would have never have known what God was doing. He just took these experiences you know, for what they were. And while we're looking at David, I want you to think about your own life. I want you to think about your own life because here's the thing, God is preparing you for something great. I don't know what that is. You might not know what that is. David certainly didn't know what that was when it was his time. But I promise you, God is preparing you for something great. And there are some things that he wants you to learn along the way. So let's look and see how God used David's time as a shepherd to prepare him to be king. And through that, we'll learn a few things that God wants to teach us as well. So go ahead and pull out your message notes if you haven't done so already. And let's ask the question. What does the Lord want to teach me through everyday experiences, just like he taught David? Here's the first thing. It's your first feeling. I need to know that humility paves the path to greatness. Humility paves the path to greatness. Now, let me give you the context. In this passage that we're going to read, Samuel, the prophet, has just been sent to David's family to anoint the next king. Now, the dad, Jesse, had eight sons. Eight sons. Can you imagine how much broken stuff they had in their house with eight boys? 
I mean, holy smoke. But nevertheless, they had eight boys. And so um, God, I mean, God, so God sends Samuel to go and anoint one of these sons to be the next king. So Jesse calls all of his sons out, starting with the oldest for Samuel to have a look at. So here's what happens in 1 Samuel chapter 16, beginning of verse 6. It says, when they arrived, that's the brothers, Samuel saw Eliab and thought, surely the Lord's anointed stands here before the Lord. But the Lord said to Samuel, do not consider his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. The Lord does not look at the things man looks at. Man looks at the outward appearance. I want you to underline this part. But the Lord looks at the heart. Then Jesse called Abinadab and had him pass in front of Samuel. But Samuel said, the Lord has not chosen this one either. Jesse then had Shammah pass by. But Samuel said, nor has the Lord chosen this one. Jesse had seven of his sons pass before Samuel. But Samuel said to him, the Lord has not chosen these. So he asked Jesse, are these all the sons you have? Now, does that sound odd? I mean, he just had seven boys. And he goes, is that, I mean, is that all you got? I mean, really? Because that's not enough? So anyway, he says, well, they're still the youngest, Jesse answered, but he's tending the sheep. Samuel said, send for him. We will not sit down until he arrives. So he sent and had him brought in. He was ruddy with a fine appearance and handsome features. Then the Lord said, rise and anoint him. He is the one. Wow. Here's the thing. David wasn't even invited to be looked at as the potential next king. I mean, he wasn't even invited. I, and I'll be honest with you, I'm pretty sure that was the norm for David. Uh, always the youngest always left out, always left behind, always the one that was the least thought of. And those things made David humble. And in the long run, that's what made David great. Because remember, God looks at the heart, not the outward appearance. And he doesn't look at the trophies on the shelf, and he doesn't look at the accomplishments on the resume. God looks at the heart. And when God looked down at the eight sons of Jesse, he looked down, and he saw this one kid, the youngest, and he said, that's the one I want to be king. Because when I look at his heart, I see a man that is humble, a man that someday will not think he is great because he's king, but he will think that he has great responsibility because he's king. That's the kind of man I want. And that's the kind of man that God chose. I mean, is that amazing? I mean, that's unbelievable. And look, that kind of attitude, it only comes with humility. And humility, that kind of humility only came with being left out, with being left behind, with being the least thought of, and if he was ever thought of at all. And I am sure that at times that hurt David's feelings. I mean, I am sure that that was painful for David. But all of that was God saying, hey David, I am allowing these things to happen because I am trying to cultivate something inside of your heart, some humility. So 
Don't despise these things that are happening because I'm going to use this tough time that you are going through in ways that you cannot possibly hope to understand. So don't despise what's happening and don't let it turn into bitterness in your heart. Let it turn into humility because if you do, that humility will pave the path toward greatness. I mean, that is incredible when you piece all that together. I mean, that is so incredibly inspiring. So let me ask you, what has God done in your life to help teach you humility? What has he done in your life to help cultivate humility? You ever felt left out? You ever felt ignored? You ever felt unimportant, undervalued, unappreciated? Look, here's the thing. I mean, you can let all that kind of stuff make you mad and then angry, and then you can let that set up, you know, bitterness and resentment in your heart. I mean, you can do all that. But where does that get you in life other than just angry and bitter? You see, that's not the kind of heart that God uses to do great things. That's not the kind of person that God anoints as king, right? So instead... Let those things make you humble. Let God turn those things into humility. Don't focus your attention on what other people are doing or what they're saying about you. Focus your attention on God and say, (coughs) excuse me, and say, okay, God, what is it that you are trying to teach me here? What is it that you want me to learn? Because If you want me to learn more humility, the Lord, help me to learn it quickly because this is not a lot of fun. And that's a perfectly okay attitude to have. But the point is to learn it and let it set up camp inside your heart. I'm telling you, embrace humility. Because I can tell you this, humility is probably the least... (coughs) Excuse me. It is the least sought after characteristic. But I'm telling you, in my opinion, it is the most important one. It's the most important characteristic anybody can have. Because when someone's truly humble, there is no limit to what God can accomplish through them. Because a truly humble person doesn't care who gets the credit. And a truly humble person will depend on God for everything and give him full credit for every good thing that happens in life. And that's the kind of heart that God is looking for. And that's the kind of person that God uses to do great things. That's the kind of person that God chooses to be king. So friends, embrace humility. Embrace it. Let the Lord teach it to you and and, and learn it just like David did. So look, here's the deal. You don't have to self-promote you don't have to schmooze. You don't have the right people. You don't have to jump from job to job to climb the ladder. I'm telling you, God is perfectly capable and big enough to send the right person to your office, to send the right person across your path in life, to put you and elevate you to the place that he wants you to. Because look, here's the deal. If God can send a prophet to Jesse's house to find the next king, to reject seven very qualified sons that look great on the exterior— so that he can choose the one person that he really wants, 
then God can orchestrate whatever events are necessary to lift you up in due time. You just have to trust him to do it. Look at this last verse in this section. In 1 Peter 5, 6, the Bible says, Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. Okay, number two. Second thing is this. I need to stay loyal to God no matter what. I need to stay loyal to God no matter what. In Psalm chapter 78, beginning in verse 70, look what the Bible says. It says, he chose David, his servant, and took him from the sheep pens. From tending the sheep, he brought him to be the shepherd of his people, Jacob of Israel, his inheritance. And David shepherded them with integrity of heart. I want you to circle integrity of heart. With skillful hands, he led them. Now, that phrase, integrity of heart, is used to describe someone who is loyal to God and not to man. So somewhere in your notes, right around that, that part I had you circled, I want you to write loyal to God, not man. Because that's what that phrase means. So David, he did the right things as king because he was guided by his loyalty to God and not to man. So David wasn't swayed by trying to be accepted or trying to be a popular or whatever would get him applauded. He remained loyal to God when he was king because he, remained, he learned how to remain loyal to God as a shepherd boy. See, that's why this verse goes to all the time and trouble to talk about David ta- being taken from the sheep pens because, and, and how he was a shepherd because he learned this valuable lesson while shepherding sheep. And then that's what made him ready to shepherd a nation. And David did it with integrity of heart, a loyalty to God and not to man. Now, how do you think David learned to be loyal to God, not to man, while being a shepherd? Well, the truth is we don't know. The the Bible just simply does not tell us. We're only told that this is one of the reasons God chose David to be king. You know what? I'm actually okay with not knowing. Because it doesn't really matter how David learned, learned the lesson, it just matters that he learned the lesson, right? That really is the most important thing. And the same is true with us. It doesn't really matter how we learn the lesson. It just matters that we learn it. And so through thick and thin, through good times and bad, no matter what people might say to you or how they might try to convince you or how they might try to sway you, here's the thing. Remain loyal to God and not to man. Now I know to that, you would go, well, well, of course, Mike. Of course I'm going to remain loyal to God and not to man. Okay, hold on. Okay. There's a reason why God mentions that this is what set David apart. Because it's just simply not that easy. I mean, look, if it was easy, everybody would do it, right? I mean, my mama said that to me when I was a kid. And I hated it. But it's true. So, in order to stay loyal to God... That means at times that you're going to have to act countercultural. 
you're going to have to do some things that our culture just simply pushes against. So let me give you a few examples of how I see this playing out. Now, there wasn't space in the bulletin for me to you know, fully write out all of the verses I'm about to quote or reference. And so if you want to just write down the references and go look them up later, you can, okay? So here's the thing. God says in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 4, Hebrews 13, 4, and in Ephesians 6, 3, Ephesians 6, 3, he says that you should not have sex with someone until you're married to them. And you should not live together until you are married. That's what God says. But man says, not only are those things perfectly acceptable, I mean, the truth is, nowadays, they're expected. So you have a choice to make. But integrity of heart says, stay loyal to God, not to man. Here's another one. God says in Ephesians 5.18 that it's okay to drink alcohol occasionally, but it's not okay to be drunk. But man says, life is so much more fun when you drink. And so you ought to drink just as much as you want, just don't get behind the wheel. So let me ask you, which of those two sentiments have you bought into? See, you have a choice to make. But integrity of heart says, stay loyal to God, not to man. All right, one more. Psalm 1-2, Psalm 1-2 says that you should read God's word, you know, the Bible. You should read it every day. But man says, hey, you know, you go to church, so just let the preacher tell you what it says. I mean, look, you're already a pretty good person. What more do you need to do? So you have a choice to make. But integrity of heart says, be loyal to God, not to man. See, (laughs) remaining loyal to God despite what man says, look, that is something that David learned as a shepherd, and it made him a great king. And today, God is reaching out to you, and he's saying, Make a commitment to be loyal to me, no matter what the world says. So would you? Would you respond to God with that commitment today? All right, let's wrap it up with number three. Here it is. Number three, I need to develop and use my skills for God. I need to develop and use my skills for God. Psalm 78, 72, and we just read it, so let me reread it for you. It says, and David shepherded them with integrity of heart, with skillful hands he led them. I want you to circle with skillful hands. So that's the second way he did it. He led them with skillful hands. So let me give you three questions to ask to be used by God to do something great. Here they are. First, what are the skills God has given me? What are the skills God has given me? What am I doing to sharpen those skills? And then how am I using those skills for God? Look, God gave you certain skills. What are they? What what are you good at? I'm not talking about just natural abilities, okay? But it certainly includes that. And God is the one that gave you those abilities. So what are they? That's the first thing you've got to do. Second thing you've got to ask is, 
Well, what am I doing to sharpen those skills? Look, David led his people with a skilled hand. Now, those skills started when he was a teenage shepherd. But I can guarantee you that the development of those skills did not end there. He kept developing them. So what are you doing to develop your skills? Look, and I want you to, I want to encourage you, write down an actual answer to this question, okay? Too many times we leave these kinds of questions, you know, just as rhetorical. And, you know, we just agree with them. Like, well, yeah, you know what? People ought to sharpen their skills. And we just, then we leave it at that. We don't do anything about it. So literally answer the question, what are you doing to sharpen your skills? And if you don't have anything to write down, then ask, what can I do to sharpen my skills? And write that down. All right, third question is this. How are you using your skills for God? I mean, why do you think God gave you the skills that you have? I mean, just to make more money and grow a name for yourself out in the world? No. It's to make his kingdom bigger and grow a name for him out in the world. That's why he gave you the skills. So what is it that you are doing to use your skills for God? And if you're not doing anything, then answer the question, how can I use my skills for God? Look, I mean, here's the thing. I don't know what you've been through in, the, in your past. I don't know all the things that have gone on in your life. But look, just like what God did with me through military school, he can use your life experiences, even the ones that seemed so incredibly ordinary. He can use those things to reshape you for something great. But look, just like David, it starts with humility. And it continues with a heart that is loyal to God and not to man. And then it increases when you use your skills for God and his purposes. So look, if you're ready to take some steps in that direction, then I want you to find your connection card and let's take some of those steps right now. So grab your connection card. Perhaps it's this first next step. I will think about my life experiences and ask the Lord what he wants me to learn from them. Would you do that? I'm, I'm going to take some time to reflect and think back. Okay, God, what is it you're trying to teach me? Next, I choose to embrace humility and not become angry or bitter by humbling experiences. My goodness, can you imagine how your life would change with just that one step? Next, I commit to be loyal to God and his ways despite what others or the world says is acceptable. That's a game changer. Next, I will identify, sharpen, and use my skills for God. Would you do it? Or this one. I will pray the prayer to become a Christ follower today for the first time in my life. Look, here's the thing. You can't really do any of these things until you have actually given your life to following God. And you do that by asking Jesus to come into your life to first forgive you for everything you've ever done, and then second, pledge your life to following him. And you do that by praying a very simple prayer. And that's how you become a Christ follower. And there's a sample prayer for how to do that right below these next steps in your sermon notes. If you've never prayed that prayer before, I want you to pray it this morning. But I want you to check this box because I want to mail you some stuff in the mail. All right, next. I will memorize 1 Peter 5, 6, 
Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. Would you memorize that verse? All right. Let me pray for you and ask you to pray and ask God to help you follow through with the next steps that you've taken today, too. So, bow your heads, if you would, please. Father, I want to say thank you for the opportunity to really study the life of David and all those things that you taught him when he was just a shepherd boy, all those parts that we just tend to skip over, Lord, you never skipped over because you were intimately at work in his heart during those times. Just like you have been work in, were at work in our hearts and lives ever since we were kids. And I ask that you would help us to look back and reflect on those things. And you would use those things to reshape us into the men and the women that you want us to be. And for those teenagers that are listening today, Father, I ask that you would help them to embrace humility and not despise the things that happen to them because you are preparing them for greatness. So get, help them to see that and to trust you for their future. Help all of us to trust you for our future and ask you to lead us and guide us and bring us safely back next week so we can hear more and ask you to do this. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this message. For more information about Parkway Fellowship, find us online at parkwayfellowship.com or facebook.com slash parkwayfellowship. You can also download our mobile app for access to the most recent messages, video content, and much more. It is available both in the Apple App Store and Android's Google Play.